Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, everyone, this is your March Madness NCAA Championship Game Day edition of the Sports Rivals. I'm Monty, that's Ernie, and together we're going to discuss the world of sports. We're going to obviously hit on tonight's national championship game between Ernie's Yukon Huskies and the San Diego State Aztecs playing for a national championship. That's remarkable in its own right. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA as we head into the last week and we're going to do our quick Major League Baseball preview telling us who we think will win every division, be the wild cards, and inevitably win the World Series. So that's what we're going to take on today. But Ernie, let's start with Saturday's uh, Final Four, a great game between San Diego State and FAU. A not-so-great game, but a not an unexpected result between UConn and Miami. Let's take down the first game first, because I know you must have been disappointed with the final outcome. Yeah, FAU had it. I, I think they kind of pressed out towards the end. I think uh, San Diego State, with their defense, turned it up a notch, put a little bit of pressure. I mean, they had like a 14-point lead at one point in the second half, but San Diego State just found a way to chip away, chip away, chip away. Did not really have a lead until the last point, what, point one second of the game and it in was, order to win. It was remarkable. Yeah. I mean, and, and San Diego State, for all of their resiliency coming back, was doing everything they could to not win. Yeah, they, missing free throw exactly, after free throw exactly. after free throw, front ends, two shots. It was, it was remarkable, but... but they were able to get offensive rebound after offensive rebound after offensive rebound. Which is what wasn't killing them. I mean, right. the, the fact that they kept getting the rebounds on these foul shots and then going back to the foul line didn't hurt them as much as it could be. But then Ernie, even down to that last shot, they get the rebound. They make a defensive substitution. They take all their scorers out of the game. They rebound the ball. They don't call a timeout. They attack with out their... Trammell without um, what was the other guy's name that that had the most points? Anyway, number twenty, Le'Veon was, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, who was leading them in scoring the whole? They're on the bench, and the guy takes it down. Butler pulls up, comes a fraction of a centimeter from stepping on the end line, but gets a clean fifteen foot look. That it wasn't was, a it, hard shot. It was a pretty clean look and a good form. And he swished it through. 72-71, San Diego State. I still can't imagine that. Just for the life of me, the fact that because we're we've grown up with the University of Hawaii, with the old WAC, with the Mountain West, and we've been associated with San Diego State our whole lives, the fact that they're playing for a national championship is yeah. is mind blowing for me. It's yeah. exciting though if you if you're from Hawaii and you feel like oh maybe we have a chance. Probably not, <laughs> but at least you can pretend that you yeah, do. That, that was the old whack. That's just basically saying, like, uh, uh, who was that other team uh, with the Lobos? Not New Mexico, but... Utah. No, when, when they were Texas A&I, I think, oh. way back when. And they won the that. Actually, the first... Well, well, it became UTEP. Yeah, well, it became UTEP. All the way back, they won a <laughs> national championship, so... 
Yeah, San Diego State. I mean, they got their play. They uh, noticeably Kawhi Leonard is in the NBA. I know they have a. Uh, they have others in the NBA, so it's a decent program. This this one uh, is for the ages, though, as far as that program is concerned. I can totally agree. I mean, we'll break it down when we get into the, the analysis of the final game. But I mean, they have some big boys on that team. They do. It's 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 almost like a football team. Like they yeah. work out together. Yeah, they're wide they're bodies. They're big. They're wide. They're physical. Um, they're going to give UConn all they can handle. But for FAU, I think that they have to be excited about their future. None of these players are high draft pick type players, although I thought Martin was phenomenal. Um, He was lights out in that second half. He was the only one really that was carrying them in that second half. But they all come back. The whole team other than one person comes back. If they do come back without entering the transfer portal, any of those guys, you're looking at a preseason top five theme, I think, because I think they have proved it's kind of like when Gonzaga took that leap from mid-major to the next level. And I believe FAU is leaving Conference USA and they're moving to the conference with Memphis and, and Houston and those guys. Oh, okay. So okay. they're moving into a stronger conference. So they'll have a little bit more cloud. of yeah. a cloud, a little bit of a harder schedule. So I think the future is bright. That coach, he can flat out coach. It's just a matter of time before he get poached to somewhere else. But Congratulations to FAU for an incredible year, 35 wins. That is nothing to slouch at. And congratulations to the San Diego State Aztecs in the national finals. <laughs> now, the other game, Ernie officially clinched the Sports Rivals Challenge when UConn Woo! defeated Miami 72-57 in a game that really wasn't that close. I mean, they spurted out plus 10. Miami had their own spurt. Then UConn pulled away yeah. from there. So your thoughts on UConn? Um, I mean, it was just, uh, you know, the have versus have nots. I, I mean, I, you know, for to give uh, Miami credit, at least it was the closest game that UConn had to face during this, uh, you know, NCAA tournament. The bad news about it was right from the get-go, UConn flexes, flexes muscle. I believe they scored the first eight points. They won a big run, relaxed a little bit, let Miami back in. Once it got semi-close, they turned on the afterburners, got that lead uh, back up again. And from there, it was, I, I don't even think they felt threatened. I mean, the combination, you know, uh, you know, of their big, uh, they went, they, they go deep. UConn they, they go goes deep. They, these guys go deep. I mean, you, I mean, Sonogo is very well rested for the national championship game, and he, and even he did well. I mean, he was popping threes to start the game. He had that initial spurt. Yeah, three threes. It was crazy. Um, But they are an extremely deep team. I mean, Hawkins, the highest draft type player. Was, was battling sick. stomach, he was stomach sick. Uh, illness, and he wasn't. Uh, she was a shadow of himself. He expects to be full fledged oh, yeah. on Monday. But they have so much depth. You have Jackson, you have Newton, who hit shots, and they all can hit shots. Um, yeah, they are playing really, really well right now. There was a lot of comparisons between them this year and the Villanova team of five years ago that just got on this run at the end of the year and they're just steamrolling everyone. I really don't think that's going to change. They're only a seven-point favorite. I would take Connecticut um, to cover that spread because I think what's going to happen that's different between Connecticut and all the other teams that 
San Diego State has faced, that they locked them down in the second half and were able to to overcome big deficits. Right. UConn is too deep, and UConn's length and defense is maybe not as reputable as San Diego State because that's not all that they do, but they are long. They're, They're going to be... They're going to give all of those San Diego State players a very tough time. Oh, yeah. Because their length is going to make shots and, and tapping balls and getting steals. And you can't guard five guys, you know. And all five are a threat for the UConn Huskies. Oh, all five and then some off the bench. I mean, that's just a... To me, that seven and a half is... Wait, I mean, Miami was five and a half. Uh, Which I thought dogs. was nuts. Well, yeah. So and and now it's seven out. My to me, if Miami had won this game, Miami would have probably been a favorite over San Diego State. Uh, not to say that San Diego State doesn't have a chance, but it's going to be. I mean, you mentioned Villanova. It would have to be Villanova, Raleigh, Massimino versus Georgetown. That to me, that type of well, maybe not that big of an upset, but. Uh, it would be a major upset, I think, in the world of uh, NCAA basketball. UConn hitting on all cylinders, destroying their opponents, uh, even uh, their last game versus Miami, even uh, uh, being that that was their you know closest uh, spread uh, you know total uh, during the, previous to that. I believe they were winning by an, by an average of about twenty three points. So I am surprised that it's only seven and a half. Uh, to me, I, I don't know. I, I, I hate to challenge Vegas when it just seems this obvious. You know, every time I think, oh, this is just an easy line that you get burned. But to me, everything is just pointing to UConn's way. I would I would agree. I mean, I think this is going to be a coronation for UConn. Hopefully San Diego State can put up a, you know, put up a, a valid game, make it a, a good game. But even when there's good matchups recently, last year was an incredible game. The Kansas-North Carolina was a great game. North Carolina jumped out on Kansas. Huge lead at halftime, saw Kansas come back and win. Uh, hopefully it'll be a reasonably close game um, so that, you know what, we can enjoy it. And who knows, you know. Maybe San Diego State will pull the colossal upset. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, but it would be it would follow it would follow this year's NCAA tournament. It absolutely it, it absolutely will. But regardless, congratulations to both the UConn Huskies and the San Diego State Aztecs for getting to the NCAA national championship game. Congratulations to Ernie for winning the Sports Rivals Challenge. What did I win? You are on our appreciation. <laughs> and a high five. That's what you want. All right, gang, that wraps up March Madness. And again, just like last week, and I'm worse this week, I've got some kind of a chest congestion cough going on here. So please bear with me as I struggle through this show. But we do want to talk NBA basketball. We're going to start with the East so I can relish in my West at the end. Boston... 41-point victory over Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. Uh, When Milwaukee played a back-to-back, Boston's got to feel good about that. Milwaukee responded today by beating Philadelphia. They still have a two-game lead with three or four games to play, depending on which team. Um, Boston still has a chance to get that number one. The rest of the races seem to be falling into place there. The East seems to be pretty static right now, um, where if you're looking at a situation where... Milwaukee will be one, Boston will be two, Philly will be three, Cleveland will be four, um, the Knicks will be five, Brooklyn will be six. 
and then we go from there. Yeah. So, <laughs> your thoughts on Boston's huge win over Milwaukee? Yeah, I thought it was just. I mean, they were they were playing terrible ball. I think this was. Uh, I mean, a lot of people said it was a statement game. I I just think this was, uh, you know, uh, a check of the heart game on on Boston side because they had lost to Utah. They had very unimpressive wins. Jason Tenen was, like I said, mentioned last week, wasn't really having, uh, you know, great shooting nights after the All-Star break. So I think it, I think it all came back. That and the fact that it was Milwaukee. Like I said, Boston, the Boston Celtics, uh, in my opinion, I think were cruising after the All-Star break. They had to find motivation. They always play well. Get this, guys. Against the top three teams in each conference. So our, the East, Milwaukee and Philadelphia. And on the West... You're talking Denver, Sacramento, and Memphis. The Boston Celtics, 11-2. and two. They are 11-2 and two in those games. So they play well when the competition is good. The problem is they play terrible against the lower, the lower teams. They lost, they've lost to the Orlando Magic three times. They lost to the Houston Rockets. You know, they lost to the Utah Jazz most recently. Uh... You know, and in any game, the thing is, they're not going to see those teams. Who they're going to see are the teams that they've gone 11 2 against. Uh, they're going to be playing the Philadelphia 76ers on Tuesday. Uh, they just have the number, uh, their number. I don't know if they sit back on that game, being that uh, the seedings are pretty much set in stone. I think it's status quo. They got a three-game lead against the Philadelphia, and they hold a tiebreaker. So Boston will magic number to get the number two seed is just one. They just got to win one of their last four games, and they're automatically, and I don't know if they play their heart, hearts out in, in, you know, in that game, but <clears throat> it looks like if it uh, if the season ended today that they'd be playing the Miami Heat I, out of the four teams in the playoff, uh, the playing tournament, I believe they'll probably be the most likely ones to get out uh, to hit that seventh seed. Uh, the Boston Celtics have lost to them once, but they own the, the the series against them. And when they beat them, they've beaten them badly. So the Miami Heat have fallen a hard time since they took first place last year. Yeah, I think Miami needs to do do something. I mean, they, they just seem to be a miss. I mean, Butler cannot really stay healthy. He's having a great year when he plays. Lowry has not worked out for them. They were trying desperately to, to flip him into someone else. They're trying to flip Duncan Robinson. They were really unable to get anything done. I guess they're always capable, and they've shown that against Boston where Jimmy Butler can single-handedly yeah. win a game or two. I just don't see this edition of the Miami Heat being able to take four games from Boston. Maybe one, maybe two on a Jimmy Butler crazy 45-point outing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that's going to happen. You know, the 7, 8, 9, 10... The way that Miami is playing right now, and I think the two teams playing best out of that 7, 8, 9, 10 are the 9 and the 10. I mean, I think the Bulls are playing really good ball right now. Lavinas looks healthy. Um, they're playing good ball. Toronto's playing good ball. Both of them have won 7 of their last 10. The Hawks have been... The Hawks, I think, are a mess. They switch his coaches. Trey Young might get traded in the offseason. I think there's some issues there. So I, it would not shock me if either the Raptors or the Bulls, and it can't be both, yeah. only one of them can, can advance, will make the final eight, somehow knocking off either Miami or Atlanta. So if you guys remember how it goes, seven plays eight, nine plays ten, and then... Um, 
The loser of the 7-8 plays at home against the winner of the 9-10. Right. So 9-10 has to win two games to get in. Um, and then 7-8 has to win one. one with two chances to get in. So that's how we're looking right now. Nothing has changed for me. I think it's Milwaukee, Boston as the leading favorites. I think when you have Joel Embiid, anything can happen. But they have not shown me still and they're looking like they're playoff bound right now. They're kind of fading. They were red hot for a while. And they're kind of fading um, down the stretch, losing, well, 5-5 five and five over their last 10. They have that game against Boston. Chances are they're going to lose that. And then after that, it, uh, there's no sense in playing Embiid the rest of the way because you can't afford to get him hurt. So I would think that they'll, they'll you know, put that on hold. For Ernie's sake, got to be encouraged. They're playing much better ball again. Um Curious to see how that carries over into the playoffs. But they got the legs, you know. So if Milwaukee's fully healthy and Boston is fully healthy, that'd be a great final. Yeah, I think uh, that's. Uh, I'd be surprised if it goes less than seven. You know, the, the key for Boston is Robert Williams' health. You know, can he stay healthy? And of course, with Milwaukee, what do you get out of Chris Middleton? It's Middleton as Drew Holiday have flipped roles. Offensively, where Drew Holiday is now the two, Middleton's the three, I believe. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, so be it. But Drew Holiday can go for 50 like he did last yeah. week, but then he can go for six like he did right. against the Celtics. Right. You know, he's not as consistent as Chris Middleton used to be. He used to be rock solid, 25 and 5. Um, Drew Holiday can be hit and miss at times, so that could be favorable for the Boston Celtics. But all we want to talk about as NBA fans. Are the Lakers. Are the Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers. For the first time since January of 2022, they are above 500. An impressive swing here. They lost. LeBron comes back last week Sunday as we were recording. They lay an egg against Chicago. They go to Chicago on Wednesday. They beat them pretty handily. Then they go to Minnesota, down Double digits. They come back and they beat them. And then today they rolled over uh, Houston. And Anthony Davis is really leading the charge. 38 points on Wednesday. 38 points despite a sprained ankle on Friday. 40 points today. The guy has been on a mission. Yeah. Can they continue? Because what has happened now is they're in the seventh spot. They're only a half a game back of six. They have the same number of losses as both the Clippers and the Warriors. So right. essentially, they're just, they're in a virtual <laughs> they're tie in a, they're for in a vir- sixth place. Yeah, they're in a virtual tie. However, in a virtual <laughs> tie at the end of the season, they are last amongst those three on tiebreakers. So they will have their way out of the playing tournament. They will have to get a one game advantage against either the Clippers or the Golden State Warriors. They have their chance next week, Wednesday, head-to-head against the Clippers. Well, they're going to have to play at Utah Tuesday, then at the Clippers on Wednesday, and then they finish at home against the suddenly red-hot Phoenix Suns now that Kevin Durant is back, and then Utah again on Sunday. I thought I saw that in a three-way tie situation, they actually go ahead of Golden State because the Lakers have the... um, the tiebreaker over Golden State. I so, the tiebreaker should be division first, and they're all in the same division. Okay, so maybe. So we can take care of business by just not losing any more games yeah. the rest of this season. Yeah. Now, in order for that to happen, 
AD would have to play back-to-back game on Wednesday against the Clippers for the first time this season, I believe. So, will the Lakers do it? That's that's going to be a tough question. I mean, I think they should because if you can get out of the play-in tournament, I think that behooves them to be able to rest for both he, LeBron, and D'Angelo Russell, who's constantly nicked up. <clears throat> but the thing is, right now they've almost clinched the playoff spot. So what is more important, getting into the playoffs and making sure AD is available or going for the sixth seed? To me, go for it. Go for the sixth seed because you get Sacramento. (laughs) And and Sacramento, I I mean, kudos to them for getting their first playoff since 2006. But their defense does not translate into playoff success. They're an awesome offense. I believe the L.A. Lakers, as do most teams in the Western Conference, uh, know that they can turn up the defense and shut down that uh, that powered offense in the playoffs. I think so. I mean, I think everybody, but you know, that's got to be so disrespectful to Sacramento that it sounds like everybody's trying to not play anybody else other than Sacramento. You don't want to play Phoenix, I don't think. You don't want to play on a roll right now. You don't want to play Phoenix with, yeah. with Kevin Durant back. And then you know Memphis. You know they've been playing well. They're eight and two in their last ten. So. I think I'd rather play Denver, maybe. Nah, it doesn't matter. If the Lakers are healthy, bring on the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine that. Talking schmack for the first time. It's just nice to see the Lakers playing well, being meaningful, playing in meaningful games. Um, I'm excited. I, I think you should be because this team might look different <laughs> next year. <laughs> they got a lot of a lot of their players. I I, I saw the I, I saw what the free agent market looks like in twenty twenty three. A lot of Lakers up for contract negotiations after this season. So I don't think they come back uh, in this in this form. Whether they improve on it or get worse, uh, you you know it remains to be seen. I just don't think it's going to be in this iteration. I think they have a shot. I mean, the West being the way it is right now, if you get into that sixth spot, I think you got a ch- I think you got a chance because I think you can beat the Sacramento Kings. And if you beat the Sacramento Kings, I think you can. Uh, I think you got a puncher's chance against Mem- against Memphis. And let's throw in the air if Denver uh, loses to Phoenix, and then it 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 becomes March. April madness. Uh, let's hope so. But a lot's going to come down to health. You know, we talk about it. Will LeBron stay healthy? Will AD stay healthy? When does Paul George come back, if at all, for the Clippers? Without him, that's going to be hard for them to, yeah. to advance very far. And then KD, he looks just like KD always looks. 35 points again today. He certainly looks well. We talked about the Bucks and Nuggets, I think, are going to probably hang on to the number one seeds. Ernie doesn't fear that at all he thinks the the celtics can do what they did <clears throat> well, not by 40 points but maybe by 14 <laughs> and and knock them off no matter what the mvp race is still neck and neck right now the sixers are losing so joker becomes more viable but joker has sat out the last three games trying to get healthy before the playoffs he really could care less about the mvp race he really could care less it's gonna be it's gonna be uh Interesting to see. Yeah, though the, the, the straw poll was like the closest ever between the three. I do think that Giannis has been eliminated. I do think it's a two-team race, two-player race 
for the MVP, although Giannis will definitely finish right there at third. Yeah, I think what we're leaving out over here is <coughs> the New Orleans Pelicans sitting at eighth right now, but also in a virtual tie with the L.A. Lakers. Yeah. I mean, they they could easily, if you know, if things fall their way, the right way, they could easily take the fifth spot. They could. They could get up there, and there's still hope that Zion will come back. Although at this point, even if he comes back without playing for four months, he's going to be a, a a shadow of himself, yeah. I would guess. Yeah. Plus, so the he would be more of an ancillary part than uh, a counted-on part at this point. He could be more disruptive than anything else. Yeah. But it certainly would make for much better TV if the Pelicans could go into the playoffs with Zion, Ingram, and McCollum. Uh, rather than just Ingram and McCollum. But they're playing great. They're, they're playing good ball, just like they did last year where they made the uh, a big statement, almost knocking off Phoenix in that first round, giving them all they could handle. Mm-hmm. But Ernie Dallas, Dallas looks like they're going to miss the playoffs. Yep. And now there's chatter that Luka wants them to go all out. And I saw a post this week that they're going to go get Draymond. They want to trade for LeBron. <laughs> and form a super team of Luca, LeBron, uh, Kyrie, and Draymond. I don't know how they fit that under a salary cap. Um, Me too. That's still a team that doesn't necessarily fit. You know what, Ernie? What bothered me a little bit about Luca this week is I, I know I know you don't like Kyrie, and I th- I think you relish in the fact that he went there and they're suffering. But Luca to me is being a problem. If you watch, you watch more NBA than I do. But I was watching him the other day against Philadelphia, and his body language. You know, what he reminded me of Aaron Rodgers for most of this season. Yeah, just that negative body like, language, I, like everything, like he's better than everybody else, and it's all he he. <clears throat> somebody made a bad pass, and he just looked at him like he was disgusted. It was just. He's got to grow up too, to me. I seen that last year with Porzingis. When Porzingis was playing with him last year, I saw that same body language. I just think, <coughs> but I, I still think Luca is Luca. I just think that Luca is even more frustrated this year than he was last year. I mean, I think I know that they want he wanted them to sign Brunson. You know, and look how well Brunson is doing. I mean, that was that was a mis- that was a big mistake on the the Mavericks yeah. side. I mean, if you just kept that team intact, I mean... Because Jason Kidd is a great defensive coach, and you've gotten rid of all his defensive players. Yeah. So now he's trying to mold a team that has nobody there that can do what he wants to do. And it's just... It's a... it's a The Mavericks, after the trade deadline, are the Lakers before the trade deadline. Yeah. The pieces didn't fit for the Lakers until the trade deadline. The pieces don't fit for the Mavericks exactly. after the deadline. Exactly. I'm, I'm glad. I much prefer the second, the latter, to the former because the Lakers pieces fit right now. Yeah, but I, I, I really think Luka, if anything, <clears throat> will request something big. And I don't think it's going to include Kyrie Irving. It, it, it may or may not, but I think Luka has got to just stop requesting things and trying to be a GM because that hasn't worked for most NBA players, including LeBron. You know, with For a lack of a better word, sometimes you just got to shut up and play. Let the GMs be the GMs. Let the construction of teams be the construction of team because you were way better last year on the team that was constructed around you than you are this year with the team that you wanted so far. So, yeah. ah. 
I like Luca. He's great for the NBA, but to me, his body language, his negativity, his constant whining to referees over and over again, it is uh it's not something a superstar is made of and, and they're paying the price. You can see the results. They're they're not gonna make the playoffs. That's yeah. mind boggling to me. When you have Luca and Kyrie and you're out of the playoffs and they're healthy. I I, I would have predicted this at the trade. You know, I, I really didn't think that combination would have would work. I, I I thought at at best, you know, at best they would be even, you know. But knowing how Kyrie is, Kyrie doesn't really fit into a system. He tries to have the system fit around him. That's just just the type of play. That's why he wanted out of Cleveland because there was no other choice. You know, LeBron came back to Kyrie from Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyrie thought that was his team at that point, uh, but obviously he wasn't the type of leader where uh, Cleveland would be able to get back into the playoffs. Right, they were in. They were still with the worst record in the right. NBA. Right. When when LeBron came back, which is why they had the number one pick that they traded Andrew Wiggins um, to 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 get Kevin Love and and those those that situation there. So interesting situation with the Mavericks. They look like barring a miracle. They look like they're going to miss the playoffs. So, Ernie, the only real thing in the NFL that I do think we need to address is the Lamar Jackson situation. Word came out early this week that he had officially requested a trade way back on March 2nd before they even franchised him. There still doesn't seem to be a whole lot of movement from the public at this point in time or interest in meeting his demand. So word comes out late in the week that Lamar Jackson might be willing to sit out the whole season this year. Let's just talk that. I was going to use that in my closing thought, but something else came up today that I think I'll do. Let's just talk about the Lamar situation. Does it make sense for Lamar to sit out an entire year? From a financial standpoint, no. <clears throat> Obviously, I mean, that's, not, that's just not the way to go. But I think it's, it's come, <clears throat> for me, uh, looking at this whole situation, it, it's, come to, it's, it's come to pride. You know, where he thought his value was was worth more. He wants to show the NFL that all you guys are making mistakes. He probably knows that somewhere down the season in this NFL that quarterbacks will be going down and that, uh, you know, someone's going to have to make, will probably get desperate and make an offer. Right now, nobody's desperate. They have their full, they have their rosters. They have the NFL draft upcoming. It's, it's a matter of what happens during training camp, what happens during the season, what type of quarterback injuries uh, come to play after that, and that's where they're going to seize their opportunity. At this point in time, I don't think anybody is willing to ask for the, the salary demands, guaranteed salary demands that Lamar Jackson is asking. Now, push comes to shove, and your quarterback goes down, and you got and your team that uh, you know is a playoff contender. Swing for the fences. You know that's what they'll say. The only the only problem with that though is if that were to happen, if Lamar sits out the year, it's not like a team that is desperate is all of a sudden going to give him five years and two hundred fifty million dollars guaranteed. They're not going to be able to fit him under the salary cap once the sal- once the season right. starts. So normally, when you're bringing somebody off the scrap metal or when there's free agents available, all you got to do is sign them for the league minimum. He's not going to come back for nobody at the league minimum. If he were to get come back and somebody would be desperate to trade for him, they're going to have to figure out a way to meet his asking price and fit it 
under the salary cap in the middle of the season. I just think it's the wrong move. I think Lamar is overplaying his hand. I think he thinks he's more valuable than he is. I think he's not realizing that there is inherent risk in the way he plays the game. And I think that he's so hung up on the fact that I'm better than Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson got what he did. And that's the other point that I wanted to to um, to cover. So, gang, I've been sick all week long. So I had nothing but time to sit home and watch talk show after talk show after talk show. And there is a lot of talk about this. And there seems to be a dichotomy here where... Younger athletes, former athletes, doesn't have to be football players, feel like Lamar should get his. And that once Deshaun Watson got paid guaranteed money, that set the precedent so everybody from now on, when it's their turn, they should get that and more. That's just just it. Once you make one dumb move, everybody should be locked in. And then there's the more what I believe to be more business rational where you're thinking just because somebody made a mistake, the the worst thing you can do is double down on that same kind of mistake. I agree. So for me, Ernie, I think it would be foolish for anyone. Now, is there a happy medium? Like what I what I would be willing to do with Lamar is protect myself long term. But make myself vulnerable short term. Meaning, if I'm the Jets, the hell with Aaron Rodgers already and this and this mess. I would rather go get Lamar for the same fifty million dollars I've got to pay Aaron Aaron Rodgers, and maybe give Lamar three years guaranteed at one hundred and fifty million dollars. That's it. That way, you're giving him max annual salary guaranteed money for three years but you're not jeopardizing yourself once he turns 29 so you're not long-term jeopardizing yourself i think that makes the jets more viable for three years rather than earning the people in new york they're delusional if they think aaron Rodgers is going to come to town next year and they're going to the super bowl they're still the third best team in that division, even with Aaron Rodgers. At least the third, assuming Tua is healthy and the Buffalo Bills are still there. Plus, you've got a loaded AFC East. At, I mean, AFC North, AFC West. Aaron Rodgers is not going to make the Jets a Super Bowl favorite. Aaron Rodgers may not even make them a playoff team. He may, but he may not. The Jets are so young that I think if you brought Lamar for three years, even at $50 million a year... You have a better chance of developing him with those young receivers, that top pick that they have that they can add to. uh, And then that's where the offensive line is a little bit questionable for the Jets. That's going to be a problem with Aaron Rodgers. It won't be as much of a problem with Lamar, who is more mobile and can run. That's the way I I would play it. Now, if Lamar is willing to take three years guarantee, I don't think he is. It doesn't sound like he is. Because it sounded like the, the, the Ravens were willing to go three years at 40-something million dollars a year guaranteed. And he said, no, he wants five years like Deshaun and he wants 50 million a year like, like Mahomes. I don't think he's going to get it. I don't think he's going to get it too. And he's representing himself so he can, <laughs> save, on the, so he can save on that commission. So why not, take, why not discount yourself by that commission fee and just do it? 
again, like you said, you've already mentioned it. Why make? Why are we setting precedence on Deshaun Watson when everybody and their auntie knows that that was a mistake? The Cleveland Browns are screwed for the entirety of that contract. Yeah, and it's just kicking in. Right. I mean, it's just starting. Exactly. So they've got five years. And then even if you want to go beyond that, the Packers extending Rodgers for three years at $50 million a pop. And that nightmare that's happening in Green Bay right now. Or Russell Wilson, his extension hasn't even kicked in yet. Yep. And he looks washed up. And now Denver is locked into him for four years with all of that guaranteed money. So I think Lamar... There's a, people say gamble on yourself and gambling on yourself doesn't mean sitting out because at a minimum, they're going to give him more than that $32 million. I wouldn't come back for that $32 million. I would find a happy medium here. But if Lamars wants to bet on himself, take three years guaranteed and hit the free agency again at 29 years old. If you think then you can sign a five-year contract then. I mean, look at these quarterbacks now. They're signing five-year contracts at 35, 36, 37 mm-hmm. years old. So if you want to gamble on yourself, put $150 million in the bank, guaranteed, and then come back in three years and sign another mega contract. That would be my suggestion. If, if you want, Lamar, I am available to be your agent. I'm not certified with the NFL, <laughs> but I'm more than happy to discuss things with you if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, it looks more like <coughs> to me. It looks more like he's gonna gonna sit out this season. I think I'm getting your call. Yeah, we're hacking in here. Okay, can you tell? This is how serious we are. We cannot take a day off when it comes <coughs> to March Madness. We're hacking all over the microphone. So. Anyway, that's my take on Lamar Jackson. So that's Ernie. I'm Monty. Together we are the Sports Rivals, part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Again, kudos out to Kule, who's spending the Final Four in Houston. Congratulations. I am extremely jelly oh, she's there? that you're there at the, wow. at, the, uh, at the Final Four. Hopefully tomorrow's a great game for you. I'm sure you'll be cheering against Ernie's Yukon Huskies and for San Diego State <laughs> like the rest of us in the top 10. No, I'm just kidding. But again, Kule and Allen every morning, wake up in the den on Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 760 AM and 95.1 FM. So as promised last week, we're going to go through our Major League preview. We're not going to get in depth. I'm just going to kind of spit mine out first. Then I'm going to have Ernie spit his out, and then we'll get into the playoff round. So this is kind of how I see, and I only have these division winners. I think it's not like football where we went and we predicted the order of every single team. I think over 162 games, that's a little bit more challenging. In the American League East, I like the Toronto Blue Jays barely over the New York Yankees. I think the Toronto Blue Jays have better pitching. I think with Gausman, with Bassett, with Manoa, I think you have better pitching um, than, than yeah. you do with the with the New York Yankees. You have Garrett Cole, you have Cortez, you sign Carlos Rodon, but he's already hurt, and that's always a problem there. So I have the Blue Jays over the Yankees in the Central. I believe the Cleveland Guardians are going to be uh, the winners again. They won last year. They're young. They're continuing to get better. They have a strong pitching staff in the West. I don't think you can bet against the Houston Astros. They've won that for so many years in a row. Although I believe the entire division is better. I believe the Angels are better. I believe the Mariners are much better. I believe the Rangers are better. 
I take that back. The Oakland A's are not better. They're looking <laughs> to get out of Dodge. So that is my uh, American League East, Central, and West champions. My wild cards would be the Yankees, the Mariners, and Tampa Bay. So essentially, the exact same playoffs as last year. These are the same six teams. So the Blue Jays, the Indians, and Astros division winners, the Yankees, the Mariners, and Tampa Bay would be my wild cards. The team coming out of the American League, the Seattle Mariners. Wow. I'm going to go shocking. I'm going to go Seattle Mariners. I believe their young pitching staff, Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, although he's hurt right now, Kirby and Logan Gilbert form a formidable team. They brought in a little bit more hitting. Julio Rodriguez, I think in his second year, he takes that next step into super, super stardom. And Colton Wong, Hawaii Hilo boy, Colton <laughs> Wong at second base. Shocking the world. Seattle in the World Series. What's your uh, American League look it like? It looks close to yours. I mean, I I have the Yankees actually winning the the East. I I think their uh, pitching staff is just slightly better than the Blue Jays. <laughs> that could be just a matter of opinion. I actually think the Blue Jays hitting is better than Yankees. And I'm talking about the Yankees with you know Judge and and. Uh, Giancarlos uh, Stanton, even even with Rizzo on top of there, I really I really think uh, you, you know Vlad Guerrero Jr. Bobichet, you know Springer and Chapman are are just as formidable. Oh, if, yeah. if, if 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 not better, in my opinion, I think they're better. I think the Yankees. I, I like the I like the Blue Jays, but. They're going to come in second in the East. Okay. Uh, same thing like you. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians, they, they just got young talent. They're on an upward trend. They're only going to get better. Uh, and the rest of the division does not impress yeah. me. No, so, that's true. Uh, I, I think it's, 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 it's Cleveland's division to lose. Uh, I have the same thing with you. I have uh, last year's World Series winner. Uh, they do not have... Verlander anymore, so they're a little bit weekend. Uh, you're right. The rotation of Casillo, Robbie Ray, Gilbert, and Kirby are formidable for the Mariners. I just think the Astros, you know, being world champions, having that uh, mojo on their side, will take the the West. I like. I am just like you. I like the Mariners and the Blue Jays to be the wild cards. I'm going with the other wild card. I'm going with the Blue Jays to represent the National League. The American, American League. League. No, I'm sorry. Oh, the in Man. the World Series. Yeah, in the World Series. So the Yankees will beat them for the division, but the Blue, Blue Jays, Jays will get to the World yeah. Series. You, okay. pick, you pick a wild card, I'm picking the other wild card. All right. You see, gang, we are not front runners here. We are not front runners. All right, let's jump over to the National League. We're in the National League East. Tons of money were spent by the Mets and the Phillies, but I still believe the Atlanta Braves are going to come out on top. I think with Bryce Harper, who knows how long it's going to be before he comes back. Um, They've suffered some serious injuries. Rice Hoskins tore his ACL in spring training. I think with the with the Mets, Edwin Diaz, their closer, out for the year. You also have Verlander already on the DL. That's a very old pitching staff with Scherzer and Verlander. If they can get into the playoffs healthy, 
they could be a problem. Um, but I like the Braves to win the division. But you'll hear much more about the Phillies and the Mets coming up. In the Central, I like your Cardinals. That's another division that is very weak, to tell you the truth. I mean, the Cubs think that they're improved, but we'll have to see if they are. Then the Pirates and the Reds, they're not even trying, really. Um, <laughs> I, I like the St. Louis Cardinals pretty easily in the National League Central. In the West, unfortunately, I'm going with the San Diego Padres. I just think that their lineup is just unbelievable. I mean, you're talking like you Bronx Bomber 20s and 30 Yankees when you're looking at a lineup that's going to feature Bogarts, Machado, Soto, and soon Fernando Tatis. I mean, that's four of the biggest offensive threats in the National League. Throw in a pitching staff that includes Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove and Josh Nader in the bullpen, Josh Hader in the bullpen. They are on paper the best team in the National League. So I have the San Diego Padres there. Um, my wild card teams, I still believe my Dodgers find a way to get in as a wild card team. Um, they just know how to win. And I like the Phillies and Mets to get in as well. I believe all three will get in. And facing the San, uh, Seattle Mariners will be the San Diego Padres. I think it's an all-West Coast Seattle-San Diego World Series. And it pains me to say the Padres are going to win the World Series this year. I think they have to. I mean, they're signing everybody long term, but I I think they are absolutely all in. And man, their roster is loaded. And with so much offensive depth, they can afford to lose one or two guys and they're going to be fine. So I like the Padres over the Mariners to win the World Series. Okay, for the National League East, I'm going to agree with you. I like the Braves on there. You know, that... Uh, that uh, pitching rotation with uh, Charlie Morton, Max Fritz, uh, you know Spencer uh, is yeah Strider. They're they're good. They got the Rookie of the Year from last year, uh, Michael Harris. Uh, I think the Mets last year they had a terrific run, uh, 101 wins. I thought that shocked everybody, uh, but the Phillies were the ones to represent. You know the National League last year. I believe what you, like what you're saying. They're aged out there. Uh, I don't think they repeat. Uh, they may sneak into as as a wild card team, but the Braves take to the National League East. I'm going with my cards, like you said. I don't think. I think it's the best of the worst. You're right. That division does not scare anybody. You know, you got Goldsmith and Nolan Ariando. I think that's that's enough to win that division. <laughs> You know, it's unfortunate that the best thing that they got right now in their bullpen is Wainwright, and even even him uh, would not make. Uh, I don't know where on the rotation he would be on on other formidable staffs. Uh, they got great hitting. Their bullpen needs. An overhaul. They're going to play a lot of games like they did today, 10-9 against the Toronto Blue Jays. Because their offense is loaded. loaded. But their pitching staff, both starters and in the bullpen, leaves something to be desired. That's for sure. That's that's what I predict. I mean, uh, but in National League Central, that that gets you the division. Uh, In the West, I believe in your Dodgers more than you believe in your Dodgers. I mean, I, I did some research in regards to the Dodgers. The Dodgers the last three years... Held the highest payroll in the major leagues. Two thousand, I mean, uh, 2020, 21, and 22, they were the highest uh, roster in major league baseball. This year, they're number seven. Trade deadline 
is August, uh, somewhere in August. They got all that time to make up. I, I don't believe this team sits at number seven uh, in regards to their cap. I think they're still going to make, uh, they're going to find out who's going to be available out there. I think they're going to make a room. It's going to be just enough to, uh, you know, get that division over the Padres, in my opinion. I think the Dodgers take that. Padres will take a wild card, I, I, and I, I think it's going to be the Mets. Uh, I, I don't know about the, the third wild card. I don't think it's going to be uh, relevant, but I'm going to go with the, the representative from two years ago. I think the Atlanta Braves will represent the National League uh, in the World Series. Unfortunately, I think O Canada will wow. will get the series in this one. I, I just I just got that funny feeling in my stomach that the Blue Jays will be World Series champions in 2023. So Ernie likes the Blue Jays and the Braves in the World Series. I like the Mariners and the Padres. I, I'm not sure that Major League Baseball likes either of our World Series <laughs> in terms of ratings with no Yankees, no Mets, no Phillies, no Dodgers, no Cubs, no White Sox. But that's how we see it, gang. We are not biased people, as you can tell. Um, okay, recapping real quick. Seattle, San Diego, San Diego wins for me. Uh, <clears throat> Toronto, Atlanta, Toronto wins for Ernie. So, gang, if you haven't chance to get to Vegas to put some long odds on there, you may want to slap a hundred on the Toronto Blue Jays since Ernie's on fire with his <laughs> winning of the sports rivals pool. Yes. All right. So let me get real quick. My closing thoughts not going to take very long. Because I'm going to cough real quick right now. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but today was the culmination of the most watched and most exciting NCAA Women's March Madness tournament that there has been. Ratings were sky high, relatively speaking. And there was really one reason, I think, for that. And that reason is Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark, the all-world national player of the year from the University of Iowa, averaged 28 points, 9 assists all year, went back-to-back 41-point games, including 41 points in the semifinals to knock out South Carolina and snap their 42-game winning streak. They were 36-0 heading into that game. Caitlin Clark goes for 41, scoring the last 14, 15 points of the game to ice it. Today against LSU, LSU was on fire. Caitlin Clark came out early with four three-pointers in the first couple of minutes, um, but LSU was on fire. They were hitting from all over the place. LSU takes a commanding 17-point lead. The referees in this game, Ernie, were just ridiculous. They really were. You had LSU's three of LSU's best players and three of Iowa's best players with two fouls each in the first quarter. LSU didn't play their three players because they were getting, they were blowing them out. They didn't play them in the second quarter. Then in the third quarter, <clears throat> Caitlin Clark gets frustrated, throws a ball behind her back, um, out of bounds to because a call was made, so she was throwing it out of bounds. She gets a technical foul. That was her fourth foul in the third quarter. So she has to go out of the game. So you have a situation where the refs are really taking things under control. 
lo and behold, Iowa comes, makes it a seven-point game. LSU pulls away. LSU won the game. LSU won 103 to 85, the highest-scoring championship game in history. They earned it. They played lights out. They were making shot after shot after shot. Now, controversy at the end of the game, and that's kind of what I wanted to allude to here. Is it's I find it fascinating how perception of certain things and how objectivity I think goes away apparently in the elite eight game Caitlin Clark when she scored something she's a trash talker Mm -hmm. she did she covered her face with her hand uh today at the end of the game uh Reese from LSU did that to her once and then at the end of the game tracked her down around the court to do it to her again and again and again and pointing to her ring there was outrage by some on twitter calling it classless and i was one of those i thought at that moment that was classless now if you wanted to do it one time to her to make up for what she did that's trash talking that's fine she can do it once you can do it once but the difference is she's not in in their face like in the NFL, that's a taunting penalty. Right. You know that that should that and that was clearly taunting. Right. And then to do it at the end of the game when you had already won, and to go seek her out to do it again, to me was too much. Now, most people felt that way, but again, there were certain people that came to her defense. She said that it was a it was a situation where all year long she was called too ghetto to this to that and she was just doing it for people who look like her so be it i still think there's a right and a wrong way to do certain things she's 20 years old i get it she was fired up i think doing it once i think was okay you got her back it was like austin reeves doing the little man to patrick beverly on wednesday after beverly did that to lebron you do it one time you let it go right but you don't seek the person out and try to publicly humiliate them again and again and again that was too much. I thought it was uncalled for. I don't think that it was okay for Caitlin Clark to do it. And if Caitlin Clark were to do it constantly to two other people, I think that's one thing. Trash talk is fine. Trash talking to each other, that's fine. But there's a line. And sometimes you can go across that line. I believe Taylor Reese went across that line today. And I thought it was not in good judgment by her to do it as many times as she did. Um, that's just my personal opinion. But again, I think it's fascinating when you listen to who says what. It's just generational thing again. It's like Caitlin, the younger ones are like, Caitlin Clark can do that. And of course, there's a <clears throat> racial component as well. The African-American younger athletes are like, hey, she can do it. We can do it. I thought when she does it, nobody says anything. There's a difference. And I think RG3, um, Ryan Clark, um, um, Emmanuel Acho were three of the loudest people saying, hey, don't get on Taylor Reese for doing what she did. When she can do it, she can do it. But an objective person can see there was a difference between doing this one time, not in somebody's face, to somebody continually doing that. You won the national championship. You did not have to go that far. Congratulations, though, to LSU. And I believe it took away from it because yeah. all everybody was talking about on Twitter after was what she did. And at the end of the day, somebody had it right. All that's going to do now next year is probably make LSU like the villains because 
that's what they did. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. how they won. So, again, congratulations to Coach Mulkey. She came to uh, LSU two years ago, last year, after three national championships at Baylor. She wanted to go home and win one for LSU. Nobody in their right mind thought they would do it in two years. Nine new players coming in off the transfer portal. She blends them together. They lose two games. They are seated three. They're like UConn. Low seated at four, LSU low seated at three with only two losses on the year. Prove to everyone that they are something to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, they were dominant today. It was an extremely exciting game to watch. 103-85. That's not a score we're going to see tomorrow night when UConn plays San Diego State. <laughs> yeah. Ernie, any thoughts on what I had to say? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Without knowing what the... You know, other. I'm, I'm sure there's more information in regards to, uh, you know, why Reese did this. I'm hoping it's not just because she did it earlier. I'm hoping there's more background that actually motiv- motivated her to hunt her down and belittle her like that. Because, like you said, uh, it took away from the championship. If that's all that uh, gets remembered, you know, and, and, and you know, you, you're not going to want to... Uh, delve into the why whys and uh you know the justifications on why she did what she did uh and whatnot from the public opinions i right now uh it's to me from the general public irregardless of uh you know your age your background or whatnot to me it's 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 classless like you said once is enough once is yeah, enough. Get her back, mock her, get her back. Yeah. But at the end of the game, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta know in the time that there's times that you gotta be the bigger. Per- Larry Bird was a big, big trash talker, big trash. Talker. He would talk about, uh, you know, he would tell you what moves he was gonna do before he shot the basket and actually execute it. But other than that, it was all on the court, nothing extracurricular afterwards. You know, and that's what made him great. And that's what the people who he trashed up to could tell those stories and, you know, re, uh, reverend him as one being one of the great players and great trash talkers of the game. They admired him after that. This uh, uh, Caitlin Clark will not be telling her grandchildren, uh, you know, about injuries is taunting, yeah. <laughs> you know, in but their to younger K- years. But Caitlin Clark's... Uh, credit she knows she's a trash talker she's the mj of the women's game i mean she's that good ernie i mean she's a junior right now um she is a generational female basketball player you can tell when an iowa is leading the charge to 5.4 million people watch the south carolina iowa uh, semi-final game on Friday night that oh. is by far a record I'm gonna have to check this out on YouTube yeah so I think she is a generational talent she still has one year to come back Taylor Reese you're a phenomenal player first team All-American average 23 points 16 rebounds a game this year was the final four MVP you didn't need to do that I don't care what it is what reason you have you didn't need to do that. You can be better than that. Yeah, be the bigger um, person. You can be you can be better than that. But congratulations, LSU. You had a phenomenal tournament, a tremendous championship game. And Ernie, that wraps it up for this week. Again, tonight, by the time you listen to this, tonight, UConn goes for their fifth national championship. San Diego State going for their first. Anything else, Ernie? Uh, I'd like to just <laughs> touch upon the Masters, the Masters start okay. uh, this Thursday. I think the real big thing about the Masters is that uh, being that there's this live tour out there that they are allowing them to play 
you know, in this tournament. Uh, we'll see how those players match up and how they fall, you know, in Sunday's finale. I got a feeling that if one of those players actually wins the green jacket, that there's going to be a major controversy and the other three majors coming out on who's eligible to play, being that, you know, uh, this is a, a PGA-sponsored event. Again, for those of you who don't, who don't know, these are the major players uh, that are going to be playing in the Masters. Phil Mickelson, who won the green jacket three times, 04, 06, 010. Dustin Johnson, who won the Masters in 2020. Bubba Watson won the Masters 2012-14. Sergio Garcia, 2017. Nick Schwarzel, 2011. And Patrick Reed, 2018. On top of that, they got Brooks Kepka. Bryson DeChambeau, Louis Ustazen, 17 players, live players in all playing in their masters. And that looks like a pretty decent contingent. I am, you know, other than the masters being the masters, I am very interested to see how this turns out, whether it become a PGA versus live player masters. I think there's going to be some big division and a lot of drama to come out to this year's masters. Looking forward to it. Ernie is a huge golf fan. I had forgotten about the Masters because Tiger is not relevant, and so neither <laughs> is the Masters. But he brings out Ernie's seeking drama. That's what. Again, gang, thank you for joining us on our March Madness edition. Again, thank you to the Hawaii Sports Radio Network for letting us be a part of their team. Cool A and Allen, Monday mornings, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Don't forget, they carry Clipper basketball, Angel baseball. So if you want to follow Mike Trout and Shohei Otani all year long, this is your last year to catch Shohei on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Next year, he'll be a Los Angeles Dodger. <laughs> but for Ernie Aymanti, and until next week, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. 